Get running this fall at Dunkin' with $2 medium iced coffees from 2 to 6 p.m. Try any of Dunkin's delicious iced coffee, like their signature original blend. Or treat yourself to mocha, caramel, or the fall favorite, pumpkin. Always freshly brewed, made just the way you like it. Make time for happy hour and enjoy a $2 medium iced coffee from 2 to 6 p.m. Washington, D.C. runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. She's one of Twitter's most recognizable front women. If you are not following Madeline Sklar, it's not too late. She's one of the most giving and successful digital marketers you will ever meet. A sift through just a few of her tweets will make your Twitter space smarter by at least 20%. While Sklar knows how to riff a tweet, she is also a champion of indie music artists. Her Go Girls music has empowered numerous musicians with a community that embraces and helps them grow and get better gigs. A music coach, a social media consultant and strategist, founder of Go Girls Music Fest, Invasion of the Go Girls, and Twitter Smarter, the Huffington Post is named Sklar as one of 50 women entrepreneurs to follow. She is also ranked as the number one social media power influencer in Houston, Texas. Welcome, Madeline. Oh, thank you, Debbie. What a what a great intro. Thank you for all that. <laughs> Appreciate oh, it. Oh, awesome. Uh, so why Twitter? Why did you decide that that was the place you're going to put your focus on? Such a great question. You know, when Twitter came out, well, when I started using it was in early 2008. It was it was pretty new at the time. And I love that it was 140 characters. I love just the whole brevity about it. Uh, I was blogging since 2000. Most people had not even heard the term blog yet. And I loved just doing short, you know, small, short, to the point blogs. I was always doing short form. And when I discovered Twitter, I'm like, oh, this really complements how I like to put content out, just short to the point, no fluff. You know, it doesn't need so much fluff. And uh, that was just always how I was. So I just really took to it and just found it to be a great place to get my message out, but also equally important, connecting with people. And you can do it in a way on Twitter that you can't do on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and all these others, for instance, being able to connect with people who are really important or you know, like a president of a or CEO of a company or uh, a celebrity. I mean, I was chatting on Twitter with rock stars, with big VPs, and it was amazing that something I just couldn't do elsewhere. So it was just such a no brainer for me. Twitter was just my favorite place. And the thing is, I never left it. You know, there's always these shiny objects everybody runs to. Oh, look at this new thing called Snapchat. And look at this new thing called TikTok. And, and people just abandon Twitter to go jump on this new bandwagon of whatever's the latest, greatest. But you know, I just stuck by Twitter because I've always believed in it and always felt like this is a great platform for, for people, no matter what they do in business or even just for personal and for hobbies and fun. So I just learn a lot and then I turn around and share it with whoever wants to listen. And there are still so many who say, oh, I tried Facebook once and it didn't work for us. And yet those businesses think social media management is an intern position. So how do we convince them to really take these platforms seriously? Oh, great question. Well, you know, definitely early on with all the social media platforms, everybody thought, 
we don't need to spend time on this. Let's just have an intern or let's just have my child or, you know, the babysitter. Like, you know, nobody took this seriously with social media in the beginning. And I feel like we've really evolved over time now where I think businesses really get it that it's not something for the intern. Because think about this. Do you want your intern being the voice of your business? No. And, and I think a lot of businesses realized that when they did put their intern in charge of their social media and then wondered why it was hurting their business. Because an intern is not the most well-versed with dealing with customer service because these days people jump onto their social media, especially a platform like Twitter, to complain about a problem with a company. I mean, I can remember easily like probably 15 years ago, like tweeting, you know, dear at UPS, where's my package? <laughs> you know, like having problems and like, who wants to call an 800 number and be on hold forever? I mean, that's how we always dealt with customer service. You knew you were going to be on hold a long time. And why not just send a little short tweet describing your problem and wait for that reply? And smart businesses really saw the power of repl replying immediately to people tweeting their business. And so it's great that more and more companies have taken this more seriously now and see the value of having their marketing person in charge of their social media and even building a whole team of dealing with their social media. I don't think it's really looked at as the intern's job anymore. Although there are still those who, who, I don't know. They look at they look at uh, digital media space through their own eyes, not necessarily. Mind you, they look at customers that way too, right? Through their own eyes, so they don't see that you know you are not your customer. So they may be here even if you're not. And also, when you look at job ads for social media managers, they want university degree at the yin yang. They want you to have Adobe. <laughs> They want you to be a web coder and all of this. So how do we set them straight? <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of wishful thinking. That's for sure. You know, um, and, and, you know, each social media platform is different, too. I mean, it's really smart to have someone who who goes through some training that can go learn how to utilize them all because they're all so different. Back in the early days of social media, what was very common would it be at would be to put out a piece of content for the business and just put it out all at once to all the platforms in the same format, not worrying about how it looks on all the different platforms. And not thinking about, well, how is this looking to the person who's reading this? And so what was really common was there was a way you could connect them all. So like typically somebody would post on their Facebook business page and then it would automatically put out a tweet and go out to other, you know, back in the MySpace days, you know, go on MySpace in different platforms, but it didn't translate properly. So they thought they were keeping the job easy and simple by just posting one time and have it just fly out to all the different platforms. But, you know, it, there's so many learning curves to all of this. And the smart ones realize, like, that's not necessarily the best way to do this. And then when the algorithm started taking over several years ago, a lot of the smart businesses on social media started realizing, well, we need to upload, if we're going to have a video, we need to upload the video to Facebook. We got to upload the video separately to Instagram. We got to upload it separately to Twitter because if we just, you know, 
put up a YouTube video and then share the YouTube link everywhere, it may not necessarily work well with the algorithm. And so there's so much trial and error to this. That's why there are people like me who learn all the ins and outs with social media in this way and then share all this with people, you know, doing webinars and classes and having uh, rooms in Twitter spaces, you know, talking about, you know, different things you can do to improve on what you're already doing. Um, it's almost like they, you would think they might come up with some kind of degree for people like a social media <laughs> marketing degree, because there's so much to it. It's not how it originally started, where it was just so simple, just type a tweet, post on Facebook is it's so much more beyond that now. Well, and also it's hard to, you can't just stop, you learn this and stop. You have to, they change. Like Constant probably by the time changing. we've been on this broadcast, Twitter and Facebook have changed their algorithm. It'll be something new. Times, <laughs> right? So you can't be an expert in this field you unless you learn. You have to be constantly learning. And I've always been a lifelong learner. Um, Twitter has been making so many changes over the years, but more so in this year, 2021, to the point that their mobile app updates about once or twice a week. That's how often they're making these massive changes. So it's really interesting. Like, like you really have to stay on top of the latest and know the right blogs and publications and the right experts to follow so that you're always in the know so that you can take that information and apply it to how you're using social media for your business. And if you follow, even if you follow the right people in these digital feeds, particularly Twitter, you still get exposed to the cyber bullies and trolls. And so what advice would you give someone when a troll hijacks their comment <laughs> feeds and conversations, uh, especially when they're public figures? I don't think the, the, uh, just shut your computer, <laughs> close your right, or the or what you do. So, how would you advise somebody? You know, the best <laughs> thing to do is to be overwhelming. Right. The best thing to do is to block them because you're always going to have these trolls and these people that have nothing better to do than to come and harass other people for no good reason. I've been hosting my Twitter Smarter Twitter chat for the last six years. And probably about three or four years ago, I, I had a few trolls like these guys that had nothing better to do than to come on the chat and try to hijack it and try to just throw it into chaos and, and type in mean, rude things. And it's like, they want you to engage. You learn really quickly that if you try to talk to them, that they just, they want that fuel to their fire. And so it's best to just let it go, hit the block and, and move on. Um, the only problem is when you block someone, that just means you can't see their profile and they can't see yours, but they could still get on social media and badmouth you. And then you're not aware of what they're doing. That's the only drawback with that. But so many times it's just not worth engaging and it's best to just move on. Now with my Twitter chat, I have such a great following and such big fans uh, on there that many times when you're in that kind of situation and some bad actor comes on, your community will go shut them up for you, <laughs> which is always nice. So um, that's always a big plus that, you know, when you're doing great work and people like and respect you and you get somebody that tries to come in and mess that up as a troll, usually before you even say anything, your community has already responded. So when I started out in 
learning about digital media, my uh, go-to guy was uh, Eric Qualman. And he had a way of simplifying these platforms in such an easy way for particularly for business. So why and why it was so important to participate. So when you were starting out, who was your spirit guide? Um, you know, I have been doing, well, first of all, I've been doing digital marketing for 25 years and there was nobody doing what I was doing before me. So I had no mentors, nobody to look up to. And then social media marketing, I've been doing for the last 16 years. And I was one of the very first ones who like really work to like help people and teach people and end up making a career out of it. So I didn't really have anybody to look up to because there was nobody else doing this. I, I was just doing it because I understood how it worked and I kept learning as these platforms were changing. And then I would just share what I was learning with everyone. So it was kind of the other way around. Everybody was looking up to me as the, like the mentor and the person to watch. But I probably, one big influencer was Gary Vaynerchuk. Once he came on the scene, which was pretty early on in social media, not as early as I was, but he was so immersed in uh, the liquor business, running his dad's, uh, helping his dad run his liquor company in New Jersey. But he really got into marketing and using social media. And he just became a rising star so fast. I remember when his first book came out, I was like really intrigued and like really loved everything you talked about of how to use social media to market your business. So he kind of became my virtual mentor. And I did get the opportunity to meet him years later at a social media marketing world, which is a big, so the largest social media conference in the US. Um, and what was so amazing, I had the opportunity like to meet him and talk to him for a few seconds. And I introduced myself and he goes, I know who you are. I was like, <laughs> holy cow, that's, that was such a big honor. Um, so he was paying attention, I guess, to people that knew what they were doing in social media. So that was very amazing to me. But, um, but yeah, there just weren't very many. Like, so I've just been more of one of the leaders in this and not trying to be, it just sort of happened just like how 25 years ago, I saw the power of this new internet thing and thought, hey, this is really cool. And I was learning how to create my own web page. And, and then all of a sudden, people wanted me to build it for them. And I thought, well, this could be a business. So I was one of the very first web designers in Houston where I live. I mean, there were like three of us that were the very first ones doing this in 1996. And I just wasn't trying to be the first, it just kind of worked out that way because I was just following something I was becoming passionate about. And in that process in 1996, I thought, let me start building this community for female musicians because this internet's a great way to bring people together all around the world. And again, one trying to be like some leader in this, but I mean, I started the first online community that became the oldest and largest for bringing female musicians together. Um, so I just tend to have a knack for that and I'm not trying to, it just, I just, I love being an early adopter to things when I see things that are new and interesting, especially in tech. I, I usually just, you know, learn everything I can and then share it with everyone what I'm learning. And uh, it's really served me well. Like, it's just really amazing when I look back and, you know, starting all these things so early and then social media years later, same exact thing. Cause there really weren't that many people venturing into it but i was in the music business and myspace was really the first big platform for social media that most of us learned on and while a lot of people laugh when they hear myspace 
because it was kind of an interesting site. But for the music business, it was gold. I mean, I helped mm -hmm. so many bands do so well with their music marketing using the power of MySpace. And so it really allowed me to learn a lot of ins and outs of how we could take a platform like this and use it to help us in business. And for this, it was for these musicians. And then when Facebook came out and when Twitter and YouTube, you know, we were already kind of figuring out like ways of strategizing to use these platforms and then learning the ins and outs of each platform and like how to make this best work. So, you know, really Gary Vaynerchuk was the only one that fit into all of that, you know, of somebody I really looked up to. So, yeah. Interesting, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. And, and of course, these platforms come and go, but Twitter and Facebook have stood the test of time. So, so which is really encouraging. But, but, but let me tell you, though. For the day when they're not there, though. <laughs> exactly. And see, we learned a big lesson in all this with MySpace because back yeah. at the height of MySpace, never in a million years did any of us think MySpace would go away. And we built these great big communities, got all these followers spent. I mean, I would spend countless hours building up, had a huge following on there only to one day have it go away. And what do you have to show for it? Nothing. Because you were you're able to collect their email address. You didn't have any contact info. You, you just had the person's username. That's all we had. And the big lesson we all learned in that was don't stop doing email marketing, still collect email addresses, use social media to build your mailing list. Because when these social media platforms go away, or in the case of exactly a week ago, when Facebook was down all day and Instagram and WhatsApp, and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Let's go to Twitter. A lot of people are like, Hey, I can still contact all of my people because I can send them an email. And, and so it really shows the power of like, having those email addresses is gold. So we don't want to, because a lot of times people think, oh, I, I've got this big audience on social media. I don't need an email address anymore. I don't need to do all that. Not really smart because we didn't think MySpace would go away and it did. And Twitter and Facebook, I mean, we don't want it to go away, but something could happen tomorrow and it could be gone. There's no way to know, even though these are big billion dollar corporations, so is MySpace. I mean, I remember mm. when MySpace was bought, um, years ago, it was bought for a crazy amount of money. I mean, so everybody's like, ah, oh, it's not going anywhere. It's just being sold to somebody else to take it over. And then it's gone. So when you started the indie music community, um, were the musicians reluctant at first to get involved? No, uh, you know, musicians were really starting to embrace this new internet platform and uh, found it very intriguing that they could connect with people in a whole new way. Because prior to the internet, you know, a musician would go play a show, whether it was local or they would go travel and it costs money to go travel. I mean, they have a lot of expenses doing that, but that was the only way to play your music in front of people, make new fans. Um, the internet allowed them to get in front of people all over the world and have people buy their music without having to go see them in person. So a lot of them saw the power of that and really embraced the internet as a whole and started building their own websites and finding ways to sell their music online. So I, you know, it, for some, it took a long time because there were plenty of people that were not very technical and couldn't even understand how to do email and, and even get on the internet. But 
very quickly, many of them realize they need to learn how to do this because it could really be beneficial to their career. And back way back when, uh, remember the Napster days? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the studios owned you and it was really hard to get into a studio, which is where the timing of all this was probably perfect. Yeah, because prior to the internet, um, it was really hard to make money as a musician. You had to rely on a record deal, which means you had to you know, have some popularity, be getting a lot of people coming to your shows to get the attraction of a label. And yeah, labels, they, they sign your life away. I mean, like you really don't, people think, oh, rock stars make all this money. Not really. Most of them don't, not unless you're a mega star. It's like most of them, publishing. Yeah, where the, exactly. Where the producer gets all the money. Right. So it's usually through the touring where they make more of their money. But with the internet, we started seeing the emergence of what was called indie artists, independent artists. And these were people putting out their own music, doing their own thing. So they get all the proceeds of the sales. Um, and there was software that was um, helping them to do this without having to be in a studio. It was called Pro Tools. And so once Pro Tools, which was, I don't know exactly when it came out, but a lot of this all happened around the time with the internet and all this new technology, but people had this computer software they could have where they could just record an album through their computer in their bedroom. And it's like, wow, I don't have to go book a studio and spend countless thousands of dollars and hire an engineer and do all this work and then go spend a ton of money having the, the, the music made into, you know, back when it was cassettes and records and then eventually into the MP3s. Um, it was a very expensive way, you know, for musicians to get their music out and the internet really changed that. And we saw this emergence of so many more independent artists coming out. And that was, you know, when I just saw so many of these people on the internet, like just looking for help and getting their music heard. They already were putting their music together, but had nobody to listen to them other than their local community where they would perform. So uh, really the internet changed that for so many people. Just talked to two Canadian artists, Justin Bieber and Shawn Mendes. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know. So do you sing or play an instrument? I grew up playing guitar. So, I mean, that was why I was always interested with music stuff um, just for fun. It was just more of a hobby, but I just always felt like I would do something in the music business as an adult and just had no idea that it would, you know, the internet would lead me to that. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I did it for 20 years. And, um, but when I was learning all the ins and outs of social media at that time. I was also teaching that um, to a lot of people, not just musicians. And then over time, I'd go through these periods where I felt like I was juggling two full-time jobs because my music business stuff was very much a full-time job. And then I was always doing something else, whether it was web design or coaching and consulting with musicians, helping them with their marketing. Um, and then slowly started transitioning to be just more known for social media as a whole and not just for musicians. I just wanted to kind of break out of that mu musician uh, world where, you know, I didn't want people to think only musicians could work with me, basically. Especially mm -hmm. being that I ran a, a site for female musicians, 
guys thought they could like, oh, well, she only works with female musicians. Like they just, there were a lot of assumptions and I did not want to be limited over time. It took a while, but over time, I'm like, I started feeling like I was being limited by that. And I wanted to really expand more of who I can serve. And because I've gained so much knowledge, I felt like I could help anybody, um, music business or not. I mean, I just want to help people. A lot of entrepreneurs, business owners uh, need help as well. And then as social media was evolving and evolving and evolving, there were a lot of people like me who would help people with social media, but then I became the one they looked up to. I was their virtual mentor. And I started realizing that's also part of my audience. They want to learn from me as well. So it took me several years because, you know, it's always important in businesses to know who your audience is. And here I would teach that all the time, especially musicians, know who your fans are. And then I was doing more business stuff, know who your audience is. And then me thinking, well, I know my audience is like, business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, uh, and not really thinking a lot of it was also these social media marketers that were just below the level. I, they wanted to get to the level I was at. Basically they wanted to, you know, be doing this as a full-time job. They wanted to be speaking at conferences around the country. They wanted to be doing more and more and more. So, um, I really started focusing on teaching online classes to help these social media marketers, you know, to get better and, and keep learning. So what, because now that this is all mainstream, what is the most unusual thing about your life? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting question. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's also normal for me, like, you know, being on my phone all the time, checking emails and checking social media. And I know for a lot of people, it's not. Yeah, I do. I mean, I definitely make time to, to you know, have a little yeah. bit of a personal life. But I, I love the Internet. I love helping people. I mean, all, all this work I do is driven by wanting to help people. So I, I'm just I'm definitely a, a type A personality. So I just I like going a hundred miles an hour and, and doing all this at, you know, full steam ahead. So yeah, it's very consuming, but I, it's because I like that and I want to help. Yeah. It is hard to kind of turn off the phone, even, even when you're on your downtime, it's, uh, but it's important, isn't it? It's, uh, you kind yeah, of need to refresh. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely find, you know, other outlets for that for sure. And just taking a break in the middle of the day and walking my dog outside is yeah. always a nice way to recharge. So what advice would you give to somebody who has never been on a platform and is just setting up their Twitter account now? Wow. It's like, come on, we're waiting for you. <laughs> You're a little behind. Um <laughs> Now, I would tell them to just learn, you know, sign up and then just start learning as much as you can because it is such a powerful platform. It's no longer this little place where you can type a, a tweet of 140 characters, you know, it's 280 characters, you know, they doubled that years ago. But this platform keeps evolving and it does so much. I mean, now they've got Twitter Spaces, which is the audio platform, where right inside of Twitter, you can get on and just listen to people have conversations about 
pretty much everything that there is in the world. Uh, I like to get on there and teach. Like one of mine that I do each week is uh, on Saturday afternoons at one o'clock Eastern, where we review Twitter profiles and we try to help people improve their profile so that more people notice it. And then on Wednesday afternoons, it's called All Things Audio. We, we actually turn it into a podcast as well. We record it live inside Twitter spaces. It's a lot like this. It's like a webcast, but minus the video. It's just audio only, which is actually nice because then people don't feel like they have to get dressed up and look camera ready. They can just be listening while they're out walking, walking their dog or doing something else. And people can just listen passively. It's like a live podcast, basically. Uh, but me and my host come on All Things Audio and we just share the latest with social audio, which has become a really big thing this year. Um, and then my Twitter smarter chat I do every Thursday afternoon. We then after the chat, move it over to Twitter spaces to what I call my after chat, where we continue the conversation. But instead of typing our tweets, we just chat in the app and, and have a fun conversation. So just, just so many aspects to Twitter now that it does so much. So it's such a well-rounded platform now that pretty much everything you want to do is right there in it as a way to get your message out and to connect with new people. Exactly. It's a great community to connect. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. This is Thank awesome. you, Debbie. I appreciate it. Yeah. And you're I'm so really... impressive. You've done a lot of cool oh. things. <laughs> Thank you. I've, done, I've been around. <laughs> you've got a great bio. So you've been doing Thank some you. neat stuff. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll look for you again on Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really easy to find since my name's a little unusual, Madeline Sklar. You can find me with my full name on, you know, dot com and all the different social media platforms. Thank you, Madeline. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. And I've shared before how I love an organization called TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Recently, we invited some TAPS family members who had lost a military loved one to have dinner with us. As we listened to their stories, I was reminded again of how the loss of a military loved one is such a devastating experience. Not only is the loved one gone, but often they lose their military community and sometimes an entire lifestyle. My heart was sad over their grief, yet my spirit was inspired by their courage. Then to top it off, I was amazed at their graciousness as they thanked us for just listening. At the Good Feet Store, we love helping you get out of pain and back into the life you love, and we love supporting the work of TAPS. Come in today for your free fitting and test walk and ask any of our team members why TAPS is an organization that every American can support. Visit goodfeet.com for the location nearest you.